chills with my cats. Real scary, real silly, real stories. Welcome to Real Chills. I'm so excited for our guest today. Today we have Ian Steppe. Ian, how are you? Oh, killing the game. Life is okay. How you doing? <laughs> I'm glad killing the game. That's pretty, that's strong language. Glad you're crushing it out there. I'm good. Uh, it's, you know, spooky season. So my favorite time of year. So it's when I feel the most powerful, I feel like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> cool um yeah so i'm excited for you to be here and um before we get into your really cool stories we always ask the same question and that is when it comes to the paranormal where do you stand are you more of a true believer or are you more skeptical i feel like i'm in the middle um where like i feel like when you're in a friendship with somebody you're, you're like gathering information on a person as you get to know them and a ghost story comes up it's like how well do i know this person whether or not it's they might be kind of full of it or a little on the weirder side i mean it's but at the same time yeah i feel like i'm in the middle like if i hear somebody else telling a story i have a tendency to go well it could be wiring it could be infrasound it could be this and this right and i think that now at the same time i've seen a lot of weird stuff so i i I guess I would say uh, in terms of a case-by-case basis agnostic. Fair. Yeah. So like, um, not to put you on the spot, but what makes you more skeptical of a person? Because it sounds like sometimes you'll like think about the source and then believe it or not believe. I think it's just, again, like a lot of reading and sometimes like, I, I mean, I've been obsessed with, with paranormal stuff and like reading like Hans Holzer and, and like mm. you, you have a tendency to like, there's a lot of different reasons why someone can end up feeling like they were quote unquote haunted, where it could be black mold in their house that can cause sure. hallucinations or whatever they have their diet, whether or not this gets a typo and that runs in their family or like even like, you know, I was just talking about infrasound. I mean, I've heard like old buildings from like the twenties or the, or the teens that, you know, the wiring hadn't been necessarily replaced. And, you know, there was research that showed that this kind of, sound creates um a subconscious feeling of paranoia so yeah so like that sound itself just makes you feel like you're being watched or something is happening to you and it's not necessarily it basically yeah yeah that's really cool i haven't heard about that but that sounds so fascinating especially because it correlates with the fact that a lot of people think old buildings are haunted and it's like no it's just the wiring (laughs) that's really funny yeah Um, exactly or again like it could be it could be it could be black mold in the bathroom you never know so it could be that or yeah it it could also be mental illness too which is unfortunate this is all much scarier to me than ghosts i think (laughs) if we think about it Um, don't like it much prefer it be a dead person uh than black mold a lot less expensive in my opinion um but yeah, I also sometimes will ask, uh, what was the thing that got you into the paranormal or interested in it? Um, was it like a person or an experience? It's always hard to like breach the subject because it feels like I'm crazy or like, I don't know when I had a first memory of it, but my father had done apparently ghost hunting from before I was born. 
until about the early 2000s um ghost hunting in the quote-unquote sense like self-styled paranormal paranormal researcher and i feel like those stories go back decades and decades of people doing like i mentioned like joe nickel or uh hans holzer or something like that like it's always been a thing about like trying to do this research or even going back to the 40s with the duke did you ever read about like the duke paranormal parapsychology lab i don't think so no i haven't heard of it oh my gosh yeah no duke had um for five decades they had a paranormal research lab going from place to place trying to find telekinesis um that's so cool or yeah it's it is a what, what is this book called I'm, I'm trying to remember what it's called but it was written by let's say oh shit it it's got like some like where is it is it on my shelf it's called unbelievable by stacy um it's called unbelievable by stacy horn who's an npr reporter and it, yeah it just goes back to like i think it was the 30s or 40s of just researching this stuff so like we have this history of people talking about it and then now the concept of what a paranormal researcher would be would be like some guy in an affliction t-shirt screaming yeah. bro did you hear that <laughs> it changes for sure <laughs> i guess for from what i remember most of my formative like a childhood was him doing that and That's i don't so cool. like i said like i don't remember the first time i, I have memories of him where he would you know go out at night with his camera he um and he had infrared film and he would pack a black doctor's bag with his with his camera and like a set of rosary beads because he was catholic and he would just that go was. and do that and i just remember him doing that it's just in his free time at night so i think that got me interested into it and especially growing up growing up like i was in newburyport massachusetts so that's like fairly close to salem and I spent a lot of time in Salem, Massachusetts, which is just, yeah, it's like absolutely thick with, with folklore there. Definitely. It has an energy to it. It draws that stuff. I feel like <laughs> that's so cool. Oh yeah. Did it's you, a super strange place. Did you ever go on a, uh, an investigation with your dad? Yes. A couple times. So, and again, it's very disorganized. It's not like he had like a grant to do this. It was just like, a guy from New Jersey with his camera and going into random cemeteries and stuff or sometimes houses and ghost hunting is not as romantic as you'd make it out to be of, of like the feeling of chasing or like seeing this thing off in the distance that might be coming for you. Like there's no, a lot of it is just boring and it's just, you know, walking around the area, trying to find the quote unquote ideal shot because he used to believe that he could actually sense them. So he would have like, um, he was describe it as car sickness. And so like, if he felt like his right temple was throbbing and he started to feel ill, that means the ghost or whatever it was, was like off to the right. So like he would always shoot in those directions and then he'd get them developed and see what he got. Um, I did that with him when I was like 13. And again, it's like harmless. Like it wasn't like, you know, I think the worst thing we could have done is gotten caught by the cops, but like, um, it was just we were uh, taking pictures over at Lake George of Fort William Henry because like that was uh, was it the uh, I think the French had burned down Fort William Henry when the British were uh, beaten in battle there during the French and Indian War. Um, it's just it was it, it we ended up doing the, the shots. I got absolutely nothing, but it was just I mean I know that doesn't seem like a good story, but 
<laughs> I mean, it's kind of fun. It's fun to think about being like a kid and going ghost hunting with your dad. I imagine it's a complicated situation. Um, if he was like going out at night, <laughs> like ghost hunting. Um, but at the same time, I I imagine at least for a while when you're young, it's like very cool to have a dad that's like psychic and hunting and researching ghosts. I think it was a weird adjustment. When I was like 14 or 15, he ended up doing an article with the Boston Phoenix about what he was doing. And everybody at my high school found out what it was. Oh, no. And it it wasn't as cool uh, for them. They looked at it as just like, actually, it was kind of a weird mixed bag. Like, I think freshman year, I got it pretty rough for that. And like, I heard a lot about it and people making fun of, oh, is there one right behind me? And then the same people that make fun of me once their friends were away would walk up to me and go, so this weird thing happened to me when I was 10. Can you explain <laughs> that to me? That is such a high school response. You know, pick on the thing that. You're Absolutely. Just the... <laughs> Absolutely. And especially with Massachusetts, everybody had like, again, I don't know what it is about Massachusetts or like the older states in the United States where they have just like, piles and piles and piles of these stories and every single house seems to have something wrong with it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. new england is wild it's so old mm. for us at least not comparatively but for the u.s it's pretty old <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool so do you want to get into your like experiences your your hauntings it's hard to go from the beginning of it because like i think the first First paranormal memory I had was being like eight years old, nine, and I was reading a book in my room and I started to hear laughing coming out of my closet. And it was like a high pitched, like like slim pickings kind of like <laughs> and I'm just I didn't process it. I don't I don't know how to um I feel like the things that have happened because there's there's a there's a few of the things that happened. It always took a while to decom like to to just deconstruct what that was. Um, I mean, everyone has their own experiences, but like I feel like when these things happen, if they're happening, um, your brain goes into shock and is like, "This is impossible. This is not the parameters of how things work." So you come up with an excuse and. You know, when I was growing up, we had quite a few like pet animals around the house. I think we had a few rabbits and some birds. And I remember hearing this and I thought for some reason it was my like pet rabbit. It was the stupidest thing. They don't make any noise. I just thought it was just like <laughs> something related to the cage because the cage was near the door. So like I just didn't process it. It was going on for like a few minutes. And then I stopped and it was like. None of that makes any sense. And then that was right where the laughing laughing had stopped. So like I went to my parents room and my uh i woke my dad up and i said you know i heard something in my room and he said uh okay okay and he you know put me down the hallway as a parent would like oh uh there's no monster under your bed but like when we got into the room he went straight to the closet door and started yelling at it <laughs> and saying you know like you're not welcome here whatever you are and like he took it seriously like he thought it was really there was something there and uh he like told me to stay the rosary and go to sleep and it was just 
the, the, the parts that bother me about it is that it's like Catholic centric. Cause like, you know, as I've gotten old, I'm less <laughs> enamored with them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was his angle is that he was like more on the Christian base of this. And it does sound like, as I'm saying it out loud, it's like a degree of trauma because like you have somebody validating the existence of the boogeyman when you're eight years old, mm-hmm. like it's real in your room. So that was like the first. And then I'm trying to think like of generally in my childhood with this stuff, you know, there would be moments where, you know, pictures would show up on history Channel, or, you know, they'd be requested from that. Remember the show? I don't know. Sightings. Sightings picked him up. And I remember like, we had a lot of bad luck. It felt like because of it, like our family was financially always in like in and out. And I think that there's a tax. God, I feel like I sound like I'm crazy, but I feel like there's a tax for doing this. That's interesting. And I, I, I can't really put my finger on it, but like something has to, I don't know. It's like a lot of this is so unknown that I feel like there's a lot of margin of error to, to, to fuck up. For I sure. guess. Well, I think it's interesting. There's a couple of things. The one is like the like the um, the religious part of it, or like the Christian centric. What's interesting is like even now, I have a couple witchy friends who came from Catholic backgrounds, or but they still use like um, different like Catholic symbols in their witchcraft. So I do think like yeah, I kind of get like a weird feeling because like if you're gonna be using catholicism then you should be like it feels like you should be abiding by their rules because like they don't really believe in they believe in demons but not really ghosts but at the same time like a prayer is a prayer and the intention is the intention whether or not you're actually talking to like a god or if you're just like setting your own like energy and intention so like that's what i try to focus on now because like sometimes there's like parts of catholicism like i really like mary and there's like a lot of like witches that do and like i feel like you still you know put your energy towards towards that um so it's really interesting because like i i did think it was one or the other right like you can't practice witchcraft and also still have catholic symbols but that's not really the case for a lot of people practicing witchcraft or or engaging in the paranormal but i totally hear what you're saying about like bad luck like that's so interesting to me too because i do think what you're saying like we don't know the rules of interacting with this other reality dimension energy field whatever it is and a lot of the times like if we're interacting with something we don't know maybe you know there's some residual things that were being brought home or you know like you said there's just like a cost to it like you you don't know how to it's hard to properly protect yourself from something that you don't know what it is hey i'm danny i'm john we host blanket and covers the show where we cover the covers have you ever thought about trying to find every single version of angel of the morning or careless whispers that's an us thing i think (laughs) yeah (laughs) if that's something that you think you would be into i think you should definitely check out our show we think that by listening to Every version of a song that has ever been done can like gain something new. Yeah. Each week we do a, a deep dive through a band's catalog or one specific song. Season one is out there now. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm.
think also with the Catholic stuff, if you look at it without the you look at it without the the mythology of whatever they do or whatever they think about like let's just just take catholicism out of it but their rule book when it comes to this sort of thing is very strict and it's like most of the time if not no all of the time it's like don't talk to this thing get them out of your house as fast as possible so it's almost like regardless of whatever you believe in the intention of hostility towards that thing is almost i don't know it's it's beneficial in a sense like um I don't know if it makes sense or not. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like the rite of exorcism in the Catholic church, what they don't like to talk about is like, I think of it as just like, you're not welcome here. Get the fuck out of here. It's not mm-hmm. like, there's no, um, there's no middle ground. It's not like, Oh, we need to help you find your, your purpose and get you onto the next flight. It's none of that is allowed. It's like, this thing is like a cockroach. You need to exterminate it, get the, the hell away from your life. Cause it's going to get bad. Right. I think to a degree that that might have protected him in the sense or whatever the right. but again it's like I don't know. Yeah, his belief. I I I'm more of like an energy per- I don't know what the answer is to anything. I'm not like out there, but like I do think energy is important. So if he had an, a protective energy, then I do think it benefited both him and your family. It had to have, you know. But sometimes we'd screw it up and we'd have something come home. Right. And that was the other thing too, is that like I remember I have memories of things of like noises and seeing things of like nothing specific because it's almost like that uh definition of complex post-traumatic stress disorder where it's like, you know, when you ask me, oh, what's what's a story from this? I'm like, I've got like 15 of them and I don't really know. Sometimes I forget that they happened and years later I'll remember them. And so like mm. and it's also again parsing through whether or not that's just childhood imagination or you know, your memory is an amorphous thing. Um, but yeah, there's just so much. There's, there's, there's so many stories of like him going like, I, 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 you know, I, I, he did one ghost. I remember him talking about this. He did one case where he was working at a hospital in Boston. It was the uh, Deaconess Glover. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but who cares? I can um, edit it out. But if you need yeah, actually, to. I don't think they're gonna give a shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, so wait, anyway, I'll say this: is that this hospital was based in a town. It was one of the first founded New England towns. Um, and so there's a lot of history there, and it's also like hospitals make sense if you believe that the paranormal is based off of maybe like a traumatic imprint. It's not cemeteries where ghosts are going to hang around. It's going to end up being hospitals, it seems like, because it's just mm-hmm. like the worst day of somebody's life, obviously. Um, but he said that he like, you know, he had done a shoot in the hospital because he had heard some things of like a few different nurses were complaining about seeing a woman dressed as an old school nurse walking around and then disappearing when she go to a different corridor. So like he's like, all right, I'll take its picture. And he's taking he was walking around and like with his infrared camera and like taking shots and he's trying to foment a reaction. So he was cursing whatever this thing was out, like saying terrible things to try to elicit (laughs) a response. Oh no. Uh, I can't repeat them. Like it's just needless to say, it's just like, this is Boston during the early nineties. So he didn't say, think of the worst. Right. So, (laughs) but we had, we Uh had, shit going bump in the night like three months after that like 
he had basically pissed this thing off to coming home with him and just going like, all right, let's see you get some sleep. Like, yeah, I mean, it's weird. Again, it's weird talking about this because usually I have to be pretty drunk to be like, ah, demons. But like, (laughs) (laughs) there's definitely like a lot of really weird memories back there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling so it's interesting because um, I, I really wanted you have the, on the podcast when you talked about your experiences with your dad, but I'm sensing like an, an interesting apprehension and I'm wondering if the apprehension is um, you don't like, you just don't like talking about this stuff or um, like where that's coming from. It is, are you still like a little afraid of the experiences that you've had? Um it's just interesting because it seems like you're really interested in the paranormal, but at the same time, you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, um, I don't know if it's like shame. I, I you know, earlier we were just talking about like, you know, oh, there are, um, I'll give you an example. I, I remember I dated this girl, uh, when I was living in Salem. And um, her brother-in-law liked to think of himself as a, as a ghost hunter as well. And he, I came with him on a shoot. We went to um, a cemetery in Marblehead, Massachusetts, which oh, the land used to be nice. owned by Wilmot Red. Okay. I don't know. If, are you familiar with this? I, I, I stayed in Marblehead the last time I visited Salem. It's beautiful, but I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the cemetery. So that if you went to that cemetery, it's like rolling hills and granite walls and stuff. Like there's... Yeah. That particular cemetery was owned by Wilmot Red, one of the executed witches in the witch trials. So, like, when we were walking around the cemeteries, me, his name was Bob. Um, <laughs> you don't like Bob. And then Sarah. I don't know. We we all don't like Bob. Bob, like, Bob was a white guy from New Jersey who practiced Santeria. He was irritating. <laughs> like, it was... And, and like he's he just I hate him but i love him no no, no. it's it just like he looked like he looked like a roadie for the spin doctors and he had like altars all over his house with shot glasses to ghosts he's thought he collected and i just found him to be a complete goof i love and like it. we're I'm going through the cemetery <laughs> it just it i don't want to sound like this but at the same time there were some people i would judge and side eye for what they were right. doing with the paranormal because i'm like you, right. you look like an idiot like it's just yeah, like what is this? we went to the cemetery i'm sorry if i'm ranting um oh. we went to the cemetery in, in marblehead and we walked around and he had an um was an emf reader and he, he's like talking and trying to interview this ghost and the things like dots are going up a little bit further and further and i don't know what it was but there was like a feeling that came over me and i hadn't felt like this in years I'll answer your question in a second. I but it like no, this is great. I had I hadn't felt this thing in years, and I was like, he's pissed something off. Something in here is pissed off, and then immediately EMF just starts shooting up like crazy. Um, and he started to go deeper and trying to antagonize it more. And I was like, we need to get the hell out of here. And my girlfriend who was with me as we're walking behind Bob back to the car, she was still running her voice recorder and we're talking and I, she played it back when we, we went back to the house and Bob's talking and this thing is just saying, shut up, shut up, shut up. You can hear 
this voice saying shut up repeatedly towards him. It was just so weird. But like, I, I have shame towards this because of that kind of guy. I have shame of it because I used to have these sorts of experiences where I'd feel things and I don't anymore. Um, and I wonder if it's real or not. I mean, I haven't experienced something in probably in 18 years. And I tried to replicate things that my father did. And uh, I, I couldn't do it. The thing that like, he's since passed away about like three years ago and it's been unpacking a lot of was he full of shit or not like towards the end of his life him and i had spoken on the phone it's like a week before he died and he's like it was really important to him that i believed in god somehow because he knew i had gone to church in like 15 years and um he said but i i did that stuff i took those pictures like doesn't that proof for you and i'm like i don't really know he's like you don't believe in it and i'm like no i guess not and I don't know, like, again, I'm telling you these stories in, in, and I remember them. This is how they went. But I go back and I'm like, am I crazy? Am I, am I, am I, he, I mean, he was kind of crazy. <laughs> there was a, a project that I was trying to work on with this where I wanted to go back to all the places that he went to to shoot doing the same tech that he had to see if I could reproduce it. I and I talked that. to people that he worked with. So I was I was doing regular photography and then I was also doing infrared like he did it. So for a while, I think like he used to work with another guy who was a professional photographer um, that he's friends with. And I taught I interviewed uh, this guy and my and I said, you know, like, I don't get how he got all these amazing pictures. Was he like good at photography like did he know what he was doing with his camera and the guy that worked with him said absolutely not he did not know how cameras worked at all he just mm -hmm. he i mean in if you understand like infrared you're shooting in pitch black mm -hmm. you know you might be doing time exposures on a tripod but you have to get your focus exactly right my dad didn't know how to do any of that shit but yet some of the pictures that he got were so unusual and i don't know how they worked and the guy that worked with him was like, listen, I did controls on your dad to see whether or not he was full of shit. He said, you know, he would say shoot over there and I'd shoot. And then other times I would shoot in a different direction that he said was completely had nothing. And then we could develop the pictures and compare. And he said, almost every time your dad got it right. And he said, every time I did a control shot, it had nothing. Whoa. Like when he was going through pictures, it was never like orbs. He would throw those out. It was always full form people or like flowers suspended midair or like just weird abstract looking creatures in the cemetery it was just <laughs> i don't know sorry <laughs> no don't oh my god well, this is fascinating i'm i this is i do this podcast we have an episode every single week so you don't have to right. you're not gonna scare me or i i'm this is just like so cool to me i like my first question is is there a place where someone like can where can can we see these photos is there like a website for his research or are they all just like the only yeah. picture okay there's two things that you can find from some of his stuff because like, again so his theory was don't get paid because that would be inappropriate and he would never let anybody know his name but there's a book that he did with an author in salem called uh haunted happenings Haunted and it was written by Robert Ellis Cahill. 
Okay. So that was written by Robert Ellis Cahill. His photography is all over that book. Oh, wow. And then he did an episode of Haunted History with the History Channel. It was like New England. I think that was like filmed in 98, 99. Um, but they did a picture he did of the Johnstones Inn. Johnstones Inn, like... <sighs> the guy that lived there was a pretty big piece of shit. And the picture that my dad got was of this guy's head floating through the wall. Um. Wow. I mean, it's unmistakably a head floating. Like, right. you can see the eyes and the nose and the hair and everything else. That's so cool. I'm sorry. I know it. I can't imagine because it's your dad. Like, I, and you know, now he's passed on and there's a, there's so much for you to unpack. Like, I, like, but as like a third party observer, like, wow. He sounds really cool i'm sorry i don't know if that's the wrong thing to say to you but i think he's not really like it's not the wrong thing to say <laughs> no he's he's really an interesting guy i just think it's like like i said that there's like this sort of now i gotta spend the rest of my life figuring this out and, and figuring out what it means or like that's not a bad thing i mean it can be if you let it but it's also kind of that's i'm i mean i didn't have a dad that did this but i've grown up in a haunted house and i've spent my entire life trying to understand it also i think a lot of us are do you feel nervous around these quote-unquote areas still i well i my haunted house experience and it's very different than other is we kind of live symbiotically with whatever was with us it was always good energy it was always nice hauntings like a ghost like touching my face or like you know a balloon moving and then me asking it to stop so it would like put it back to where it was and stop moving like I didn't have I've never felt endangered by the things that were thing or things in my house so I'm not when I go to a haunted place I'm not going there scared I'm, I'm feeling defensive you know like I'll at the end of it I'll try to cleanse myself I'll try to reset my energy I don't want to bring anything with me but there's not as much like fear um but I'm also not as aggressive as it sounds like your dad might have been sometimes I'm not like rattling cages or like you know calling out to anything does that make sense like I'm not I've never been put knock on wood in a situation at this point with the paranormal I've I've been scared that's fair I mean <laughs> so no I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm trying to think of it as no, because it's like that. It's the difference of being like when you're a kid and you do laundry in the basement, and then you, it's you know it's still night and it like there's darkness down there and it smells musty and then like you run up the stairs because you don't know if something's chasing behind you. That sort yeah. of paranoia you have when you're a child does does go away when you get older. Yeah, I I think about that a lot about like how sometimes I would be frightened because I'm like realistically this actually could happen, and. I guess that's interesting because that is the truth. That is the case now is that like there are places I've been where they had the mythology, they had the story behind it, but nothing was there. Mm. There was nothing, anything that felt like anything. And there are other places I've been with zero context to anything. There's like just some random dirt road where you're like, Ooh, okay. What's this about? Or 
Mm-hmm. And it's not just necessarily the heebie-jeebies or being paranoid as you're driving home. You're just like, there's something off in this place that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. Well, there's something off about this person too. Like there's just, have you ever had that where you had like- Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, there's places where I'm like, I don't want to be here. There's a road in the Poconos that's haunted. It's it's called Little Egypt Road. And um, I don't, I try not to drive on it at night <laughs> if I can help it. Um, nothing <laughs> bad has happened to me. I just had a lot of friends. There's there's like creepy abandoned houses there. It's just bad vibes. So absolutely. I, I know that that's, that still happens for me, for sure. But not to the point where I'm like, I don't want to experience anything paranormal. Just not that, you know? I mean, I don't even know if this is like chalked up to paranormal paranormal stuff or not, but I've even I've even had this where the vibe was wrong on a person. Oh, where it yeah. felt like something else. Um, it's not necessarily even just like oh they're a dick. I mean, like something else is going on there where like there's a darkness that's following them around. Mm-hmm. Um, and that again, that almost again goes like I go back to these shit from the DSM five or like my own family history and going like am i just being am i being crazy like grandma was like <laughs> it might be a little bit of that too or he like has he has the evil eye yeah <laughs> it's always hard to tell and just i just think the brain in general is kind of paranormal too like people try to explain away seeing things by saying like you're delusional or something but it's like but also like our brain is just like a slab of meat with like electricity running through it. It doesn't make sense to me Yo. in the first place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're like, oh, it's just because you're schizophrenic. Yeah. Like, you don't know what schizophrenia is. Maybe it's like another, this is an insane take. I've just thought of it for the, I don't like subscribe to this, but like maybe it's just another reality that there's, you don't know. You don't know what the brain is doing there. Like, you know what I mean? I think it's also like, if you're going to look at your brain as a machine, it's like you only get so much RAM. You can only have so many windows open at the same time. Right. Uh, because, like, it's a lot to take in. And it's also, like, I mean, my belief in general when people get to the, like, when they're stoned by a bonfire and going, like, do you think there's a god? I think of it as, like, I, I this is all so very strange. You know that Pete Holmes bit about, like, we're like we're we're swimming in an it, it was it, we're in an infinite nothingness that's constantly expanding and that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I've never heard that, but I agree with it. Oh my god, I'll send it. To, I'll send it to you after this. Like he, okay. he has this whole breakdown of like how none of this makes any sense. Yeah. How like when he taps his finger on his stool and how his fingers have molecules and the stool has molecules and his molecules from his finger will go into the stool and the stool's molecules will go into himself. And he's like how science can't explain how his finger isn't going through the stool, how these molecules have all decided I'm Pete, like all these things. That's sort of what I subscribe to is, is this idea of going like, man, I'm open for anything because all of this is fucking weird. Yeah. But, (laughs) but (laughs) there's also that stigma of like, I don't want to seem fucking crazy. Like that's, I think that's the other part of it is that like, it's hard to breach that subject because people will get so like, people will think you're crazy when you talk about it. I mean, like you in the reflexive sense, but you know what I mean? Like, I understand. You gotta really know somebody before you bring out these stories. Uh, yeah, I think it's funny. We're coming from like such different experience. Like, I feel like life experiences when it comes to this, because for me, I kind of, 
and maybe this is the comedian in me or like just like my personality but I kind of love the weird react like when people are like "Mm -mm." like I'm kind I kind of like I like to fester in it (laughs) you know what I mean like I'm like oh okay all right so explain to me why like why not you know like and a lot of the times I I don't know if maybe I'm just lucky because I have a paranormal podcast I'm a weirdo my circles are weird I only really hang out with like comedians (laughs) you know but I've never had someone shame me in a way or make me feel stupid for thinking there's something more like there's definitely been conversations where we've ended it disagreeing but they've never treated me less so for having a different idea of what happens when you die versus their idea of what that is you know yeah and no one's know. It's, it's called it, me crazy either i think it probably goes back to that childhood thing about like people just going like this is a joke yeah that's and um Yeah, and again, it's like as I got older, I think it's because he also dealt with a lot of mental illness on top of everything else. So it's mm-hmm. sort of like, mm-hmm. did he even really know? Um, right, right. But um, there's still there's still just tons of stuff I can't explain either, though. So it's just like. I guess it's good to have a podcast where this can, like slowly every single hour get de- like deconstruct how this is all <laughs> supposed to work. Yeah, and there's no rules. You pick and choose what you want to believe in. You don't have to. It it sounds like you feel like it should be all. Or, it could be both. He could have had mental illness, and some of his experiences could have been his brain doing weird brain things. But sometimes a weird brain does have different sensibilities or um, awarenesses. And sometimes maybe his weird brain did end up picking up on stuff outside of what was going on on the inside, you know? I guess that's something I haven't really thought of, and that's fair. I think the black and white thinking thing has just been, yeah, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way, because it's like, he was a very weird machine, so he's going to pick up a lot of weird signals. Um, But I loved his, like, he, he did have theories that seem to work for other people when he would explain it to them to get rid of ghosts quote unquote like people asked would um would ask him or i would have people like i knew in my life that would ask like what do i do like how do i get rid of this thing mm-hmm. and one of my favorite theories he had and this is like a little bit more of a funny story um was that if you feel like you're being haunted turn the situation ridiculous okay. and so Here's an here's the example. This is gonna sound really weird and a little fucked up, but like, so several years ago, um, I'm gonna say thirty years ago. So thirty years ago, uh, my father was visiting my my grandfather. My grandfather on uh, or my father's father was Italian. He never moved to the country. Like he just kind of was an absentee dad. But like you know, towards the twilight of his life, him and my father got to have a relationship. And my grandfather was, uh, at the time, uh, being treated for uh, terminal cancer. And so my father was visiting him and helping him out with the healthcare stuff of it. And, you know, while my grandfather was staying in the hospital, my father was staying in my grandfather's apartment. Now, the apartment was in uh, a, a place in Italy called Trieste. And Trieste is like a really interesting, very like Prague 
esque version of Italy where everything is super gothic and has a mixture of anything from like 1800s versus th- like 1300s. It's like very Edinburgh for Italy, like very, very interesting. So the the apartment building that my grandfather was staying in was built in the 1500s. And then it served as a hospital for Napoleon's army during the early 1800s. And it's just it's steeped in all this fucking history. So like, and you, I remember the way that this apartment was set up was that like, you had to go down a long tunnel into the courtyard then go into the building and walk your way up the steps. And when I was a kid, I used to feel like there was something that would wait for you at the end of the tunnel that would follow you up the steps again paranoia maybe whatever we're gonna disregard that but like you always got this feeling of dread when you're around right at the base of the stairs so um it's late at night my father's watching tv and he's in the living room uh in the kitchen's like right adjacent with like there's no door it's just open area it's like a studio apartment and um he's watching tv and he said he started to hear which sounded like foot-long cockroaches, like the sound of like things dropping to the floor of a significant weight and then skittering on the ground and running away. And then the cabinet door, one cabinet door started to open and close. And then a second started to do the same thing. So like all this stuff is happening and he's unnerved with it. And he said, I don't know. Like I I got mad about it because it was just like, I had this long day at the hospital and this thing is fucking with me and i want to be left alone and he's like so i was channel flipping and i got to this uh channel and he said like italy they don't have uh as strict of rules and regulations at the time about what could be on television so it was porn they had late night porn on on the television (laughs) okay and so he's watching this so he turns the softcore porn on and like this it's you know ridiculous italian low budget and like they're moaning and shit and my the slamming started to happen worse and worse. And then my dad just started laughing because it was just so absurd to have this. Like, (laughs) he was like, if I put this, if I put this porn on, how are you supposed to scare anybody? Like, this is ridiculous. Like you'd feel self-conscious if you were trying to haunt somebody, if somebody just started to put porn on. So like, (laughs) and he said, after like a minute, it just stopped and left him alone. He's just like, I don't even know what to do with this guy. So like, I always, I mean, like he would tell that to people would be like, just try to do anything. He's like, put dumb and dumber on, do like, um, just like make fun of it. Like, just don't take it seriously. And if you don't take it seriously, it's not going to cause you any harm. Yeah. That's great advice. I love that. Hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Make it silly. Yeah. That's so funny. We don't have a lot of time left and I want to ask you, um, specifically about you because you're talking a lot about your dad's experiences which makes sense but so in the beginning um you mentioned that you also felt like you might have had um like the same ability to to sense things in some instances and I was wondering if it was like a similar sensation like the car sickness or if it was something something different when I was uh 12 11 I can't, I can't remember exactly. So he used to work a lot. He was he was working um, a lot of like he he was also in healthcare. It's not like ghost hunting was lucrative, especially yeah. not at that time. So like he was doing healthcare a lot. And so he was working like two or three jobs. Plus he had this hobby. So there wasn't a lot of time for me. Um, not to say that anything against him. He just was like your standard lower middle class parent. Like he had a lot of shit stretched out. Right. But what we, we used to do is we would uh, 
we would we would just take long drives throughout New England and just talk. That was like the cheapest thing we could do is just like have coffee and go to a museum. And so we went to this museum in Exeter, New Hampshire, that was um it was like a Revolutionary War museum. And I remember it was this huge, it was this huge house. It had like the first purple heart in a glass case, whole bunch of stuff. And like I remember when I was there. I started to feel ill in this first room, really, really ill. And um, we'd go to another room and I wouldn't feel anything. Then I'd go to another room and feel something. Then I'd go to another room and feel nothing. And it was just so weird because it was just like, and he was watching me the whole time, like reacting to this because when we started to, we, after we got out of the, out of the museum, we started to drive home and he's like, what was what was up with you in there and i was like i i don't know i just i felt really weird in certain parts of the sem- sorry of this of this museum and he's like well which rooms do you think and i started to list them off i was like well there was this nursery over here and then there was this room that uh daniel webster slept in with his picture on the wall i didn't like that one either and then there was this room in this room and i remember him pulling the car over and thinking and being like really quiet for a while and going like i felt like that in every room as well and so he was like, he was confused by it. I think, I think I was confused by it. Um, and it would be this, it, it, like the reason why I could say like that whole car sickness thing is because I feel the same thing. But the thing is, is that I felt those things in not necessarily haunted places also, but also places where just bad shit had happened. I I, I don't know how to explain that right, but like, I remember going to a friend's house and getting the same feeling in a room in, in their house and finding out later that someone had been assaulted in that room like a year prior. And like, I didn't know, like I, I have sometimes believed that that feeling or whatever the hell that is, you could say malevolent spirit, or you could say it's, I, I think that sometimes trauma will leave an imprint like a photo negative in the air. I don't know how to explain it or meth or like measure it, but like, I think a really shitty thing, a really like, if you go to Gettysburg, you feel the vibe in the soil. Mm-hmm. Or if you go to um, certain sections of Salem, like over at the Joshua Ward house, the same thing where you're like, this is not good. And that stuff happened either 300 years ago or like two years ago. You don't know. Does that make sense? Like, it's just sort of like, I just think it's more, that feeling is like a, is like a literally like somebody's trauma is lingering still. Yeah. No, that makes perfect. So maybe you and your dad were just more sensitive to that, like trauma energy for some reason. Is that what you're saying? You don't want to give me anything solid. <laughs> but over the... <laughs> you're like, maybe. Oh, perhaps. yay. <laughs> I don't know. It, it it's still it, yeah it's gonna this is this is just great still ruined from this is gonna be basically affecting me for a while but i mean i think when i got older i started to like it wasn't i wonder if like the reason why the feeling has gone because i'll get the vibe but i won't get like the sickness anymore so so to speak and i think it's just because like i've got too much other shit on my plate where i'm like you can go like like a like sally may is so much scarier than the paranormal <laughs> you know what i mean and and like being emotionally vulnerable is a lot scarier than like yeah 
a, a, a bleeding Civil War bride walking a widow's walk on the on your roof. Like, right. I'll take a haunting in a heartbeat over healthcare. Yeah, <laughs> over having to figure it out. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah, you just don't have the like as much, like you said before, like our brains are like computers with only so much RAM. You just don't have enough RAM to be perceiving that stuff anymore as strongly. That's so interesting though. I bet too, because we talk about, and I don't know if this is coming in clear, but we talk about um, closing yourself off. So it sounds like you're very like, no about it. Like maybe even you wanted to put a pause on it to figure out more about yourself and your mental health, but not to be that guy, but I'm certain if you tried through meditation and other practices to open yourself back up, I'm sure you could, you'd be able to make some space for it. Like, I hate to say it, but I'm sure you could bring it back if you ever wanted to. I will tell you a very strange thing that did happen very recently that, that kind of did make it less. This is strange. So I totally did something very stupid four weeks ago which was um, I had a friend I was over at their house and he'd always talked about a casual conversation about trying DMT. And so we were talking about it and I was like, cause it's that old school joke, not old school, but it's that rote joke of like Joe Rogan going, yo bro, you ever tried DMT? And I was like, yeah, well maybe, maybe actually I should try it today. And like we were talking about it. I was like, so what, what happens exactly? And they're like, well, it's like 20 minutes of like the craziest shit you've ever seen in your life. And I'm like, well, 20 minutes doesn't sound like much of an investment at all. Yeah. And I, I, you know, we start, we, he pulls the thing out. We start doing the, doing the, doing the thing, the, the DMT thing. All right. And as soon as at the, as soon as it happened, like, as soon as I got to like the third hit, when supposedly everything is supposed to go downhill, everything got really frightening. Like it was like, if you've ever seen Beavis and Butthead do America, it was like that sort of like when they took peyote scene, like mm. where everything was just like colorful and moving and terrifying. And I, you know, turned to my friend. I said, 20 minutes. He said, yeah, 20 minutes. And I'm like, that's for fucking ever. And I ran upstairs <laughs> to his bathroom because bathrooms are safe. And I went into the bathroom and sat down on the toilet and just like I'm watching the carpet on the floor move. And I heard him and his girlfriend outside the door going like, you think he's okay? Yeah, I think he's okay. <laughs> I mean, he's not really like moving things around and stuff, so he should be okay. What if he already did something to himself that caused him to die? I, I, just just leave him alone. Just give oh him some time. God. So like, I, I'm just quiet and I'm hold, sitting down on the toilet seat with my hands on my head. And there's a few lights in the bathroom. It was dim. And I remember one of the lights to the right of me started to glow brighter and brighter and brighter. And I could feel my dad. I could really distinctly feel him. Like I could feel, I don't know how to explain it. It's sort of the same thing where like, if you're driving around in your car and you get to a stoplight and you look over to the next car and that person comes and looks right back at you, that ineffable feeling of somebody being there, whether you're being watched or whatnot. So like I could feel him there, wow. specifically him. And I remember hearing his voice going, so what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, I, 
I don't know. And he was like, um, so did you help to like learn something from this? <laughs> or it is like, and I, he, the, the voice finally just said, you already know. So what's the point of doing this? And then it went away and like the room stopped glowing. It was just like me still, like everything sobered up immediately. And I talked to other people about this like a couple times recently because it's a funny story about this DMT thing. And I've been told that some people have done, had a similar experience. Like my dad didn't show up, but they were basically at the door of opening their third eye. And there was basically some thing that was like, you're not ready for this shit. Go away. Whoa. So that's sort of like, I think that that's the closest I'm coming right now to going like to opening my uh, perception about it, about like and what it means. Maybe not necessarily addressing what it means, because that's going to take a lifetime, but like at least going like, eh, well, it, I guess shit is weird. Well, first of all, that story is incredible. So thank you for sharing that. But also, I think because this whole time you've sounded very unsure and it feels like that experience and your dad is saying, you know, deep down, you know, you know when it's a mental health thing and you know when it's it's not. So you just need to trust yourself. And that's so incredible to me that that's the message that you got. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'll definitely be thinking about this after this wraps up. Like, it's just... <laughs> I mean, it's funny, like I was trepidant in the yeah. first, I was, I was trepidant about doing this like last year when we were talking about, cause like I had just moved here and right. I was just trying to get my feet on the ground here and figuring it out. And it was just like, it also, to a degree, it's also like, Hey, do you want to open up this crazy box of your subconscious? It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot attached to this for you. So I, I'm grateful that you came on and it does sound like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand this is probably a lot, um, but man. I think this was a great episode. I really enjoyed these conversations. Um, seriously, anytime, if you ever want to come back on the show or talk more about your dad or if you get to a better place and you start like investigating, I don't know if you would ever do that. But um, yeah, you're always welcome on the show. Like this was great. Thank you so much for for doing it. I appreciate being on here. I mean, I don't, I still feel like I didn't scratch the surface of a few other stories and I, like, I, would, I would definitely come back on. Um, and I appreciate being on. But it's just like, oh boy. Like, I mean, even after this, it's just been like, oh, I just remembered like three other things. And it's just like, God, how am I not an agoraphobic drug addict right now from all this <laughs> shit that like has happened? Like, why am I not keeping my fingernails in a jar? Maybe you should, honestly. <laughs> it sounds like you compartmentalized it. Um, but... <laughs> I hear you. I mean, yes, I would love to hear every single story. So we'll have you back on soon, honestly, because that sounds really fun. Um, but in the meantime, you, you do take pictures yourself. Um, where can our listeners find you? Um, I'm on Instagram as uh, Phony Shalhoub because I was <laughs> that was that was a that was a day. Uh, but <laughs> no, I love it. Decide that name, but it's a P H O N Y underscore. S H A L H O U B on Instagram. Uh, I, I post up, I mean, you can get links to my prior album that I did called a lot. Yeah. If you want to hear more about my ghost trauma, because that's on the album. <laughs> um, and then also on my, Ooh, 
see now the audio is perfect um and then like you can also check out my photography there on instagram and also my tend to post a lot of weird shit <laughs> in general real chills is produced by meg Getz and Alyssa chaskowski the show is edited by Dan Getz, theme music by Sam Williamson, and artwork by Buffy the Design Slayer. Subscribe where you get podcasts and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Real Chills Podcast. Slide into those DMs with your true scary stories. Real Chills Podcast is a member of the Wasted Robot Network. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information, and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.